we want to die. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's been that's uh, par for the course. Yeah, I remember the problems we used to have, and it hasn't gotten any better. Well, it got really great for a while, and now uh, it's weird because Craig, the Craig bot, like, I don't know. Oh, this is the Craig bot. Okay, so what happened? This, oh. this week we have. Oh, okay, cool. Maybe it works fine. Once we get GARC, but, you know. Okay, so Craig, this should have better recording quality, I hope. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, hey everybody, welcome to Flail Forward. <laughs> it's not going to have a recording quality. I don't know what the fuck you think you turned into. Uh, turned into? I just was playing into it the other night. So tuned into. You don't tune into this anymore. You flip something. You you no turn tune. into a listener of this podcast. You, you turn into a listener. It's a full moon, and you have turned into a listener. Uh, uh, against your against uh, uh, against your wishes and the will of God. Oh, uh, will of well, most gods, at least. Most gods, not the gods here, though, because here we worship the dark gods, right, Kevor? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of them owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I only I only worship the ochre gods. So the ochre gods, know. yeah. Ogre gods or ochre gods? Ochre, like the color. Oh, the color. That's fair. Um, yeah, sort of a more earthy tone. <clears throat> you know, a more, <laughs> little, little more neutral, a little more, huh, okay. Kind of gods. Kind this is what we do on Flow Forward. We make up gods and talk bullshit? I guess I haven't listened a bit. Okay, fair enough. Well, no, it's a role-playing game podcast, so... (laughs) Role-playing game design podcast, ostensibly. Yeah, exactly. Ostensibly. Um, So, the Ochre God. (laughs) That's what I mean. Um, Anyway, we should get to the actual topic. Oh, God. Oh, right. right. Also, we should introduce ourselves. Uh, Yes. Go. That's Kevoir. Yeah, Kevoir. There you go. <laughs> I'm I'm Fred. I I'm elusive. I'm only here sometimes. Yeah, as opposed to Kevoir, who used to be only here sometimes, and now is here all the time. And Fred is only here sometimes, like a poltergeist. Yeah, I think Kevoir <laughs> stole part of my soul or something. That don't talk about that out loud. <laughs> Oh, also, also, I also once again, I'd like to reiterate, I have no interest in your souls. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yep. Um. Well, never mind about that. So, uh, role playing games, which is ostensibly what we're here to talk about. Uh huh. And not soul stealing. Uh, we don't not, talk about no, no, no. That's that's bad. Um. So no, I. I'm <laughs> I mean, well, playing RPGs and stealing souls are basically the same thing, but we don't need to. You are correct. That. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like taking pictures. Why well, got in the game? That's why we're here. Yeah. Uh, so, as part of your soul stealing ritual, um, like in my in the soul stealing ritual that I am designing. 
there is um, this thing that I have, which is kind of a codified mechanic, which is tell us about. Um, and sometimes it comes up in moves because my game is a, roughly a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Um, and it basically is telling the player at this point, you have full narrative control of whatever you're telling us about. Um, and I, I kind of like giving narrative control as a codified thing. And I, I don't know, I wanted to talk about that um, because I think that that's interesting to kind of give that power via not just like kind of, because usually it's just in the hands of the, of the GM or the DM or whatever. Um, and you want to, sometimes you can give it to the players via mechanical means, give them that power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I roughly agree. I think that that's most of what goes on in RPGs. It's just like, here's, hey, you get to do a thing. <laughs> what do you what do you do? <laughs> tell me tell me what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so um, yeah, I feel like a lot of it's that kind of it's a, a narrative power exchange. That's a weird way to say it, but it's true. But yeah, you're talking about codifying it. Okay, so Whoops. what was I gonna say? Yeah, so officially the the topic is narrative control slash power, uh, as it was listed. Uh, so, are we going to talk about how it manifests in different things, or do you want to do you want to talk more about how you were codifying it instead of just you know? I I mean I think as Rob said, like narrative control is kind of all encompassing for RPGs, so that's an incredibly broad topic. I feel like talking about yep. codifying it more would be better way to approach it and more what I was like yeah. trying to bring up. Yep. yep. Right. So how do you codify it in <laughs> this this uh, hobo game? Dr. Hobo and the Hobo Rangers. <laughs> in Dr. Hobo and the Hobo Rangers. Oh man, that is I mean that's a pretty good name. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean basically it was what I was saying earlier. It's I mean, the big one, there's uh, several things, but the big one is tell us about, which is something that's just in a move. So, um, for example, there's a, a character class called the Seeker, and one of their things is they can kind of see into places. They have this thing called the Sight. And one of the things that give us is you can tell us about this place. You can describe it in whatever way you want um, to kind of both, you know, in... Um, kind of an aesthetic way of saying, oh, this place is dark or it's, you know, it's got some light things in it or to say, oh, there is a place that we can use for shelter here or, you know, I don't know, there is something that is useful to us in this building or in this place. Yeah, it's, I like that. Yeah. It's giving that power that you can use. And of course, there are, you know, drawbacks and things you have to pay to use that because it's a power um mm -hmm. just like you know for example doing damage is a power i think that they're ultimately very similar things but it can be dangerous i mean if you especially if you have a game um that's less about just pure kind of collaboration like if you have a game where it's more built with um I don't know more crunchy more built with a gm's like building a dungeon in mind 
that something like mm -hmm. this can cause a lot of could cause a lot of problems if you're not more careful about it. Whereas you know my game is more free flowing, so it's pretty easy to say, describe this thing to us. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where so what do you mechanize? What does where do the where do you where does your game care? Um, so, I mean, that's I mean that's a tough question. That's one of the things I've been kind of trying to to deal with. Um, but I've been mostly going with, um, I mean, it's kind of like, I've kind of been basing it on the character classes. Like each of them has certain things that through using normal moves, they can tell us about. Um, and there's also more mm -hmm. generic ones. Like you can tell us about just this area that you're in or about this person. Um, but usually it's kind of basic things like that. I don't want to say you can tell us about the entire world that you're living in um, because that's mm -hmm. a little too broad and one not interesting ultimately for anybody at the table and you know too hard hmm. Okay. It's nice to be comfortable in long moments of silence. I know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so that. So, what about games that are like, well, kind of mentioned it, where everything you do you is actually, unless the game is a very specific style, and, and even then it's kind of, uh, let me say this properly instead. Okay, so. Generally speaking, uh, in order to do anything in a role-playing game, you are taking control of the reins uh, and like taking control, of, taking some form of narrative control. Uh, there is a certain style where everything has an I attempt qualifier to it, and then you'd roll dice about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> that it that is mincing hairs and not really significant although it does actually have some shadow effects um what else was i talking about i had something i was gonna say right so the important thing so a lot of games aren't gonna phrase it like that or are going to consider it that and a lot of games that i'm no, adjacently have this real implication that the players cannot be trusted with any form of actual control over the universe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that that everything they should do should be handed down from the GM. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's it's what what are they what's the what's the word that gets used? OP? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That would be overpowered. Yeah. I, and and exactly like if you have a game where it's oh this is a like a kind of a ta more tactical miniatures game you can't mm -hmm. do something like I'm describing uh, because that means right. oh you know now there's a giant 
anvil over the enemy um f- you know enemy forces or whatever uh, and there is <laughs> <laughs> the whole and all the enemy forces has one giant anvil just one really big anvil crushes them all i mean that's just meteor swarm really <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> basically but yeah no i i it that's that's the case i i take your point it's uh the kind of thing where it's like okay well how how much narrative control can this game handle yeah well and also there's ways to direct narrative control like in that tactical mini game um you can uh ha- you know kill somebody you can take away somebody's life whereas in my game you very rarely have that narrative control to like you know, basically remove a character from the story, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you don't have, like, cannon fodder in your game. Yeah. Concept. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah, um, makes a big difference. It's kind of like, you know, you're not supposed to, uh, like, not every problem you meet is supposed to be solved with violence. So it, it, it does. the game doesn't require the players to... To, I don't know. I feel like when you they, you pick up the game of uh, uh, of of Wanderlust and you sort of start playing it, and <laughs> you just start un- telling a story because you're you're being directed to talk about certain locales or certain qualities, right? And then so because your character uh, has these particular motivations baked into the, the sheet you're sort of asked to unfold the particular qualities of a certain place. Am, am I, I, this is the last reading I, I'm remembering. Um, yeah, you're, that right? you're spot on for at least what I'm trying to do. Um. Okay. <laughs> well, that was, that was how I read the intent of the game. So cool. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, that's a lot of where I'm trying to go with this. It's, and, and that's why I kept bringing up like places and areas because for in in my experience with doing these kind of things and in the stories that you read about that that's really important um and and having that narrative control over it is i think important because then it can you know reflect the players um as well as the gm right but it's interesting in that it's interesting that you say reflect the players because it's like the players are being invited to be the active, the active um, element there, whereas usually players are being are put in a reactive position, like reacting to their environment. Mm. And I notice that I prefer that the the kind of gameplay that's found in, in your game, where you're inviting the players to be active participants like tell us about rather than uh here's a situation what do you do there's a there's there's a question there but it's like the there's there's almost more baked into the there's an implicit reaction baked into the question hmm. i'm not sure if that's that's coming across yeah no i think i i think i understand what you mean i mean yeah you're taking a more active role in how the story unfolds I think a big part of it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And there is um, some, 
I think the best word for it is trust that goes with that. Like playing the game that playing Wanderlust would be, I think, a lot harder. You know, play with a group of random people you don't know than say D and D is, um, because mm-hmm. there's more of that kind of trust and understanding that needs to be between people to kind of tell that story together, which to me is is fine. But some people, you know, don't necessarily want that kind of experience. Yeah, and I think that's fine too. It's just that I uh, I, I have had recently an experience where it's been like. Uh, an exercise in not being trusted <laughs> For, uh, like and and it's been really bizarre it's been really weird i, I it's uh frustrating and weird mm-hmm. um because it's it's very much like um oh man it's so uh, uh, how do I even describe like the like the sense of the acute loss of agency? <laughs> like, at, like as seconds tick on, it's just like, okay, can I can do I have the opportunity to do something? Do I have the opportunity to do something? Do I have the opportunity to influence anything that's going on? Okay, no, I'm on watch. Okay, nothing happened. Okay, cool. Uh, we're on next person's on watch. All right. Uh, a guy runs through the camp, wakes everybody up. Now we're fighting an owl bear because the guy led an owl bear to the camp. And all right, so it's a random encounter, and we spend an hour fighting an owl bear, and and then um, and which yeah <laughs> okay uh-huh. <laughs> um. I, I, and and as as a druid and with a ranger in the party, it's kind of it felt weird from just from a like I don't I kind of don't want to hit this thing, you know like there was de- there was a definite sense of hesitation in the entire group that I got like uh and we had to sort of be given permission by the GM to make it a target, mm-hmm. uh like at, vocally like no this thing's a monster, <laughs> <laughs> like. You have you have to hit point it, right? We're gonna hit point things now. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, okay, so I, I I and I asked, handle animals not gonna work. Do I have a spell? It's not really as a druid. That's kind of weird. I didn't I didn't like animal friendship. Like doesn't do that. So yeah, I, I was kind of like, uh, and so I it's weird because I have whole person as a spell, but like not that. So I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it was just, it was just like, all right, I'm in this position where, like, I kind of, I'm kind of in this, I, I am being pushed against my character's best instincts, like what I feel this character would do, like as a druid, sure. and uh, I'm not super pleased about, like, why couldn't this have been a bunch of zombies or skeletons or anything that's like way more obviously evil mm-hmm. and not naturey, like. And we just passed a giant battlefield where a whole bunch of people died, where a cult, a cult of bloody flame killed a bunch of dudes. I don't know. Felt like a good opportunity, but eh, yeah. no. Let's have a random encounter with a with an elder, and then uh, that that was half the session. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, and uh, that's not an uncommon experience for people to have. Is something that's kind of just 
weird and disconnected like that. Um, and I think just to pull off your example for a second, um, like if your GM had then gone, okay, like you feel like, oh, this is kind of weird. Maybe my druid would, I don't know, try to interact with this owlbear in a different way, try to calm it down or tame it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that might, that would be, an, that could be an interesting story. Um, if you're, if the other players are into it. And that's kind of why I always, why I have my general feelings about this is because the things that everyone around the table can come up with is much more interesting than something that I, as just one person, can come up with, at least to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. That is my that 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 is also my implicit assumption. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I'm like the reason I even show up to RPGs anymore is because I'm interested in drawing the thread of story out of somebody else. Like, that's what's interesting. Mm. Like, what? What is? I, I, you know, I. It's so fascinating to hear what somebody's going to think of next, and just put track for them to just like fill a bucket with whatever they think is cool. Just do that. Mm. Just, just give me, just, just, just make a bunch of buckets. Maybe three buckets. <laughs> pour, pour whatever into every bucket you you fucking like. Uh, but don't fill my bucket for me. And then tell me to let drink it. <laughs> well, yeah, no, man, that's, that's your bucket. Uh, I, that's it's cool. That's cool. You can. You're totally fine to have your thing. But uh, I, 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 that's that's your thing. Mm. And this is my thing. And if you and if you don't like agency, if you're like as a, as a player, if you're like I don't, I don't like the feeling of the story being my responsibility. That's totally fine. I want to put that out there, but for me at this point, uh, I, it is it is uh, like monotonous and painful to not <laughs> to not have that. And I, yeah, it, it's uh, it's 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 a it's a bummer, but there it is. And that and that is going back to our original topic: why you should have mechanics like this because they pretty much force people into being more involved in the narrative it's not as though I, like anyone's forcing them to as rob said like make the whole story or really push it forward but to be involved in the narrative even in a fairly small way yeah i mean and it's not you know the the choices of narrative are like you know if it's if it's something like do we talk to this guy or not talk to this guy like that's 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 the choice and and then oh man no this is not going to be a podcast of me just grousing at <laughs> last session the idea like no no we're taking that down no 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 i'm not doing it i'm not doing it i'm not doing it i can i'm good so we're back to we're back <laughs> the ways games construct narrative so the way i i like to do it in ashes is uh i roughly speaking uh the players will have the opportunity to do something and some stuff to investigate and the stuff they have to investigate is broadly symbolic when they get it so they're they they have an idea of what might be there uh but it, it's up to them to interpret exactly what that might be. 
And so when they start investigating it, they there there's a number of ways you can do that. One of the ways that uh, uh, Mel and I have done it is to word cloud. So we start doing stuff and like whatever we pull, we do that like for uh, like three or four words. And then that because those be those become like concepts that can you can sort of hook into and then, oh, OK, I want to explore this one and delve into that. And then, OK, at some point you are taking a risk to go further. Right. You've expended so much energy you it, and the the exploration comes from like, OK, I'm going to invest in something my, either myself or some resource or an ally's trust or uh, some some tangible. Right. Uh, you're investing in in get in the the whatever you're doing, the narrative. Uh, and if you run that allows you to have some narrative control there like okay so you get to decide what this means and the guide puts a bucket there for you and you get to fill it with something and it's going to be from the symbol you're you care about right so uh in a sense you're sort of building what that symbol means to you as the game goes because you're 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 investing more time into it and more exploration and there's more concepts that'll hook into it as you keep going and then um so but at some point you come to a point where it's going to be risky to keep going and then you decide like what you want to risk and then that's that's the dice roll and then that that at that point you that's where the narrative can change so the dice roll will give you um one ones and twos will give you a consequence of some kind where you have to deal with a, a uh, that investment going sideways in some way. So if it's a, a allies trust, for example, then you are you. One of the consequences of having that narrative occur is losing the allies trust. So if you roll a one on that die, then that is might might happen as a result of this check. But if you roll uh, like a three or better on another die, then you generated some power out of that die, and you can use that power to mitigate that consequence by saying like, okay, well, instead the allies almost lost trust in me, but because uh, I showed up, I put myself on the line, right? One of myself bodily on the line. Well, that showed, that inspired them and they didn't lose trust even when it went badly. So there, there, there's, it, uh, the way I want the dice to give players opportunities to narrate what the dice mean has become sort of central to where that where that narrative goes from there. So I don't know how it's going to go until the dice get rolled and they're interpreted by the player. Uh, and that's kind of cool to me because they might see a consequence and interpret the the ally thing as like, OK, the allies don't lose trust in me. The consequence is the allies like get captured. And then they've created a whole new like a whole new thing that they they think is cool like okay i'm gonna go be heroic and rescue this ally because they want the opportunity to go be heroic awesome <laughs> go do that thing mm -hmm. ah. so yeah that's where it, that's where it's headed more or less um and the dice are, are like yeah you get there's a consequence uh, either, and then the dice sort of scale up. So I, <laughs> I've gone back to a heterogeneous dice pool because, because uh, I think it actually, I think I've actually made it work. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but only not necessarily only... as good a sign as you think it is, Rob. No, it's not. It's not as good a sign as I think it is. But the thing is, is you're not rolling dice all the time. You're only rolling dice like basically once per narrative event, and the the dice rolls are really meaningful, like every time. So like every like put piece of risk you're putting into the pool is literally you're risking something you care about. So that's how that's how the heterogeneous pool is 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 built. Um, yeah. Okay. Why is it heterogeneous? Why isn't it? Uh, because I likes. because I because certain things have a uh, higher. So the way the way it is is the 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 ones and and twos. I the it, the the success numbers are the same for all the dice. So basically. A one or two is a consequence. Three plus is you get something good happens, uh, or basically it's a it's a con not a conflict, but like you you have some power to do something with, and you either pay off the consequence of that dice or you pay off the consequence of another dice or something like that. Um, and then a five plus is you get some benefit beyond, so that resource paid off more for you. So if you risk yourself. Some, you could tell a story about like, okay, well, I, I put myself on the line and then that inspired the allies even further and that can give you something, right? So like that, they may go beyond, up above and beyond for you next time or you may gain more trust with them or um, however you want to, however you want to narrate what happens. Uh, but the difference, uh, the different dice sizes are to represent uh, the better chances of risk paying off, the closer, like the more yourself is on the line, the more, the closer the thing to your core personality that you're risking, the bigger the dice size. So if you're risking yourself, which is like your body, your mind, or your your emotions, essentially, or soul, however you want to conceptualize it, I don't tell you. Um, if you're risking those things, it's a D20 because you're putting yourself bodily in harm's way and you're committed to something possibly really bad happening. <laughs> so the and so if you risk like a resource that's externalized like trust, that's a D6, or gear, that's like a D6. Um uh, so that's that's why there's different dice sizes. So the things that that are more external to you. Uh, are lower in dice size, except for time. That's that's the thing that get added to the dice pool. Uh, at this point, it's a D4, and it's just and, and you only look for ones on those, and that's just basically time running out. And that's if you do more stuff. If you want to do more, like you 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 had a narrative thing happen, and then you want to be like, no, I need to keep going. Well, then you risk something else bad happening somewhere else, and that's the time running out somewhere else thing. But there you go. All right, so reading dice to construct narrative. I mean, yeah. giving, I mean, a fair amount of power to your players in terms of that. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I'm asking them to, like, look at, like, what they're willing to risk. Like, that's, to, to me, that's the interesting part of a narrative, right? Like, what do you, do you know, at the point of, I could do this or that. Do you choose to proceed or back off? And I give the players that opportunity, right? So when they hit hit that point of risk, I don't say like, uh, just because you're at this point, you are forced forced to roll dice to see what happens. 
It's like, do you want to go through with this knowing this is a risk and knowing roughly the scale, although things can happen that you don't expect, right? So. Hmm. Um, and then the opportunity of consequences is kind of fun because that allows you to push your consequences out into the world and not accept them yourself. That's something you can do. I mean, just because you can. You know, if something bad happens to that, that ally's trust, you can, uh, for example, uh, instead lie about it or lie about what happens and have them lose trust somewhere else and you keep the trust, but there's something you get basically a dread happen, dread happens somewhere, and there's something that can come up later that you are now afraid of coming up. Mm-hmm. Which is which is the lie you told to to uh, keep the thing you shouldn't you shouldn't have been able to keep. Don't lie, kids. Yeah, or do so, but do so very judiciously <laughs> and to the right people. Yeah, don't get caught. Like when it's going to keep you alive, mm-hmm. you know, or keep you housed, or keep you fed, or you know, keep you in basic shit. Yeah. That's that's a that's a fine time to to. Uh, perhaps twist the truth a little bit. Uh, but yeah, generally, generally you don't get into a habit of doing that. Cause that will, that will just fuck your life up eventually. Mm-hmm. But it's so useful in the short term. It's so good though. It's so good in the short also, term. Oh, mm, yummy. Also, life has a bit more weight if you are a literal fate wizard, but that's yes. a whole other thing. <laughs> Yeah, you you see, see that's how you know there's dread there, right? Because you can see literally, as as you can see into the weave, you can see like, oh shit, I just did something that's gonna come back to bite me in the ass. I don't know when, <laughs> and it's always gonna be there. You know, I gotta say, just thinking about it, the amount of people, like the amount of players I see lie at role playing games is. You know, I understand why, because you don't usually get those consequences that come in real life. Um, because in most of the games I've like DM'd, players have lied through their teeth about whatever, um, just because they can. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's something about yes. the players I have or what, but no, maybe, maybe because I have definitely run with groups where. Uh, what was I going to say? I have definitely learned into groups where they would never lie in character because they can just say what what is true, so why would you lie? (laughs) It's just confusing for everybody if you have a character that lies. (laughs) (laughs) But I also... As long as as long as people at the table know that, that you're lying, yeah, no. The some of the most interesting uh, characters I've seen are people that are just powerful enough that everybody will believe that they're capable of anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so there's cases here. Yep, let's kind of skim. Let's kind of say whatever bullshit. And hope that nobody calls them out on it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a totally viable character concept. I'm not saying you can't play like that in Ashes. Yeah. I'm just saying it has there's there's repercussions. It's like yeah. violence has repercussions too. That also creates dread because it just does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So if you play the game 
and you are you 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 play it like you're playing D and D, you will just suffer the consequences of playing, of living a D and D life. Yeah. Eventually in the game, like they will, the dread will come back and the, and you know, but the, th- the thing is, this is a story you can totally tell because like, okay, so you, 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 instead of uh, negotiating with the next town over to get them goods, you just raid them, right? Just kill a bunch of people, whatever. Okay. So that's going to throw some, some cruelty in the, into the weave over there. And so eventually when, when a consequence comes up later for you, then that cruelty will come back and you're going to have something taken away or threatened or something like that. You're going to have to deal with the repercussions of what you did beforehand. So either, I mean, and which is a great story. I mean, for me, that's like where story comes from. Like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of characters that are just bad at one thing. They have a fatal flaw. Like they're, they're, they're super violent or they're, you know pathological liars or you know or they they think they're doing a really good job but ignoring something really really important because it threatens their ego you can tell that story too you know if like somebody comes to you asking for help and you promise to help them and then you don't hey apathy shows up and uh that that, that that'll come back to bite you too okay uh right i just wanted to mention that it occurs to me that I am literally play, that I am that the game I am currently running and playtesting is, uh, ba- is basically, uh, tell uh, tell elaborate believable lies to people while you try to desperately to solve the actual problem in the background. <laughs> that is what a lot of my current mostly about witches sessions are. <laughs> just you know, just. Just get, tell tell things tell the tell the people ever, or the animals uh, a perfectly believable thing about the other group, uh, so that you can figure out how to solve the actual problem. Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, ashes is not about solving problems until you until you make the problems everybody's problem. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Whereas. Uh, Mostly for witches is about is about solving problems before they become everyone's problem, <laughs> right? In, in its distilled state, basically. Which is how you can play Ashes too, if you yeah. want. If you want it to be somewhat less eventful and more constructy, you yep. can totally do that. Yep. But you won't run into crises nearly as often. You'll probably. It'll probably be like environmental. Uh, I don't know. You can still there can still be like roving warlords and stuff. It's not like you're not going to have problems. But yeah, it's not like you're not generating apathy and dread just but <laughs> just because you're the only one who who knows it's going to happen. And that's actually factually not how it works. And if I understand your system correctly, that is correct. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you can you'll have to start dealing with other people's shit too. Yep. Just like real life. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh no, real <laughs> life. Oh. <laughs> um. That's a game for chumps. <laughs> hmm. That's right, listener. Check out of your corporate world. Come join us in RPG oh. Land, where I still work a corporate job. <laughs> but. And can't and af- pretend to be an ogre mage but- on the weekends. I do. 
I do that thing. I do that thing so hard. So oh, hard. Man. I know. <laughs> I was so uh, Rob. I I know about your your thing of the weave, and I I, I really like that general concept and system. Um, but I had kind of arrived at a similar thing, and I it's not like that's a, a really a particularly mm. new thing because I basically just no. stole the cons the aspects from fate. And then was like, ah, oh, these are both good mm -hmm. and bad. You, you know, write down some words on a note card and poke at them when they're important and get a, a bonus or a problem when you make a roll. Um, and I think that that's a, yep. I mean, it's a very simple thing, but I think that if we're going to give advice about game design, like that's something that, you know, something of that nature is a good thing to do to kind of have... Oh, have it be like a narrative, as you said. Have things come back to you and have repercussions to your actions, and if they're not necessarily direct yeah. repercussions, right? Yeah, and not necessarily direct. That's part of the that's part of the interesting thing. Like I like the idea of because um, <clears throat> every time every time uh, like dread rolls over it goes up with scope. So if you just affected an individual in a bad way, then the next time it affects, it fills up, it rolls over and goes up into a faction. So if, you know, so if you like, let's say you didn't care about an individual's plight and then that happens enough times, then that rolls up into like, okay, so now the entire faction is suffering. And now there's a real, there's a social problem going on that is bigger than any one person at the table. And that becomes now a focal point that uh, is going to have your attention drawn back to it. And it's going to be another bucket for you to put your stuff in. So like whatever, whatever shows up because of that is going to be connected to the thing you are, you care about, you're, you care about investigating. Mm. Because that's why the players bother to show up at the crisis in the first place. They all care about it, right? So, if, if there's a a, bit, a a crisis that calls all of them together, then they're sort of getting pulled in. Um, so everybody's sort of symbol shows up in a different way, and they get to say how that happens, and like the confluence of those things becomes sort of what the big, whatever the big, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so like the warlord shows up, right? Like, let's say that. You, you were an asshole to the to the next town over, and they sent some guys. Uh, yeah, but but that's also happening at the same time as this apathy thing over here, and that might be uh, uh, we spent resources uh, over here and didn't fix the dam. So now, the, what they figured out the the other army figured out what to do is just have their tempest mage just uh, make a rainstorm, like a real big one, over the dam. And now we have to do something about the army and the giant rainstorm over the dam. And uh oh, <laughs> right. So now everybody gives a flush. Mm. Anywho, that's 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 what I've been tinkering with. Uh, are you been playing any other games lately? I really haven't done much as far as like playing a wide variety. I've been reading a lot of uh, stuff. But it's been, I don't know, COVID made things weird for RPGs. I don't like playing online. Yeah. There aren't, there's some really good tools. There aren't really good tools for it either. Like some of them are okay, but 
not nothing really kind of does it. I I you know? am in a very similar position. Yeah, because I did the online stuff for a while, but I just it's just not nearly as satisfying. It's not. I don't, I don't find it's generally worth it. Um, yeah, the tools are only okay. Um, yep. Yeah. I feel like, as the person who's perfectly fine with doing things online, yeah, yeah, sure. I understand what you're coming from. I mean, I won't play Netrunner online, despite the fact that there's actually a good client for it. Huh. Yep. But, uh, yeah. but Netrunner based in the, on the Genesis system? Uh, no, Netrunner, the, ta uh, the card game. Oh, okay. Yeah. net is uh, the current Netrunner thing. Like just flat out, and it is pure. It is a purely online free website, and mm -hmm. I have no interest in playing Netrunner to, in, with anybody who can't, who I can't basically engage in, to, who I can't basically taunt. So you know, it's fine. Because <laughs> Net, Netrunner, oh, Netrunner is such a good game. Yeah, yeah. You go on. Net, Netrunner is a game one hundred percent about bluffing. Like you think poker is about bluffing? No. Uh -uh. <laughs> Netrunner is, I have I, is there the is the only way my corporate strategy is ever going to work is if I can get them to attack the wrong things because if they actually attack the right things, it doesn't matter what faction I'm playing, I'm going to yeah. lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really I I really like that game. I I I really didn't like the. Like buying all the packs of cards, but when the digital version came out, I played it a bit, quite a bit. Still fun to make decks. I haven't done it in a while though, maybe like five, four years, three years, something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, but I guess it's like, I guess, uh, or that because I should probably talk about it is, uh, I basically only started doing it online because I was in a place where there was no way I was going to get a group together and <laughs> I, I just decided to try, to try it out of curiosity to see if it would actually work and then somehow those games have all chained together into increasingly more complex things and now I'm not actually playing with any of the people I was originally playing with and it's a whole mess <laughs> but that's beside <laughs> the point. Like it's a different experience, but yeah, I with most like games, and this goes from board games to video games to role playing games. I like yeah, I like to be able to look the other person in the eyes, or alternatively, I like to be able to reach over and slap them. Um, <laughs> I have never felt the need to do either of those things. I guess that's why I'm fine. I mean. I've only had to slap a couple people oh, at the role playing table, but it was for good reason. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I hope so. Sounds like you. I, I don't think you. You to me do not sound like a guy who's laughing uh, for bad reasons. No, I, I don't. I don't believe in that. Yeah. No, what I was like, what I was going to say is the thing, the thing, the like personal interaction that I want to do most with the people I play online games with, like. Is I want to make them food because they they work sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
I've heard that. Uh, yeah, that that feels like. Are you okay? Yeah. Would you like me to? I I can I can make you some chicken soup. Mustard chicken soup. Oh uh, yeah, I had a um uh, I had an old Monster Hearts game, and there was one player who would like before we started playing. I didn't really know them particularly well. They were just strangers on the internet, and they kind of described their rather bleak life. And I had a very similar feeling. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, what are you, like, can I do something? But you're in a different country. I probably can't, but I wish I could. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thank you for putting a bit more weight into what I said that I meant. <laughs> I read. Meant... <laughs> no, he's just, he's just relating. Yeah, a I'm, not, I'm not saying. Yeah, I know. It's just, <laughs> but yeah. Oh <laughs> no, no! Like these people's lives are fine. It's just, you know, I'm, <laughs> I feel like anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just say what you're gonna say. Nobody's gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I feel I feel like you should probably you probably. Oh, God, I don't know how to phrase it. I feel like it, you could eat better. <laughs> anyway, I, I feel obligated to cook for people at, some, at times because that's what I used to do for, you know, like I would prepare a meal or running things unless it was happening in a Denny's, in which case, you know. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad I'm not the only person who played games in a Denny's. That's good. Yep. Oh. I, I think I've actually told the full version of that story, which is, one of my first like one of my first like engaged role playing games was uh <laughs> one of our friends had a had the had the overnight shift at I think it was Danny's <laughs> and to in order so that they had people with them and to go through the boring hours we played Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> mm-hmm. We also played Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> yep. We also play Vampire the Masquerade at Denny's, yes. Yep. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it, I am thoroughly convinced that's the best way to play that game, by the way. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Only if you're also LARPing. <laughs> no, not LARPing. <laughs> nope, not LARPing. We weren't LARPing. We were just playing Vampire the Masquerade at Denny's for like six hours. We can no. buy and stuff, so I didn't care. Oh. They, well, like we stream, like they extremely didn't care because, like, uh, we were one. We were <laughs> one of the players was one of the two people working there. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. How come the other person didn't join? Uh, the 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 cook wasn't interested. I don't. Hmm. I don't know. I we didn't. I don't. It actually varied. Like there was multiple of them depending on the night, and I. I don't know. I didn't ask them. I guess I should have. I don't know. <laughs> know them personally. <laughs> It'd be weird. It would be weird. Hey, you want to come play a game where we pretend to suck <laughs> each other's blood? You wanna... No? That's, yeah. that's weird? That's, huh? Yeah. What a, what a, what a game that is basically a, that is like 30% us just getting a, just doing like creating artificial queer media because we didn't like what existed. Yeah. <laughs> not something that's appealing to you. 
We don't like hearing about our blood-powered superhero <laughs> antics. Uh, in fairness, I don't think we were there. I don't think it was. Like, that is not how yeah. I would just describe. Uh, yeah, no, that's how, that's how, that's how Masquerade was in our town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, I've... <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, God, a lot of things. Playing games online, slapping people, Vampire of the Masquerade, minis. Mm. Oh, food. Oh, has anybody played the, has anybody played the recent uh, Vampire, the 5th edition? I haven't played it. I read it. Kind of I, interesting. but uh, I played it. There were some things that I didn't like, and the the whole the home food like based on what you eat like i get what they were going for but that's a bit of an exaggeration Zavrita, but yeah pretty cool it was more of it was more pointedly middle but and then some of them came out anyway no uh but what i was gonna say uh is yeah making Anyway, uh, yeah, no, like a lot of, a lot of the things that did in theory were, oh, this is like trying to make a more modern, like, vampire to moving it a bit more to the direction than it already was. Oh, except for they did these things that makes it so it's not, doesn't actually move any smoother. <laughs> and also they made being a start being like, uh, uh, starting like low blood, low generation count, even worse, <laughs> which is impressive. Mm. I had like a high generation, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Th being a thin blood, uh, yeah, yeah. analyzed <laughs> you for it way harder, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed it was impressively, um, it was still, it still felt like weirdly mechanically driven. In places that it, it it was fighting itself in, yep. To to maintain its core identity. In fairness, I only played it because, like, the, with the group I was in, uh, believing uh, the explicit like the people I ended up playing it with, uh, they decided they wanted to try it out and see what it was like, and they were. I will say that that group is probably one of the farthest left spaces I have been in in a while, which is saying something given where I typically land. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say that, right? Just Interesting. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's fine. It, it, was, it was fun. It fell apart uh, because the game system kept failing known at being what it was trying to be, even if even despite our best efforts, and also just people who who were not naturally good at being organized with each other, like bad rhythm. Anyway, mm. these mm -hmm. things happen. I've never worn a black trench coat, so I don't have any thoughts on vampire. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> how, how did you live this long in your life? I wore... <laughs> I, I mean, a leather. You tell me, you've at least done a leather yeah, jacket. I wore a leather jacket. I wore a trench coat, just not a black trench coat. Oh. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I've actually worn it. Uh, <laughs> Rob, you know that that's yeah, like... I have, black, um... I have a black leather trench coat. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Sounds accurate. Um... <laughs> that I bought right around that time, so yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Uh, like, <laughs> I know I I know I own several large coats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wondering if any of them are technically trench coats that are any of the ones that are black. Mm-hmm. I yeah, interestingly. No, I was I was gonna. No, I'll just say, uh, my wife and I had sex in that trench coat <laughs> when we were in high school. That's how big it is. Oh, aggressive, actually. God, I just, I was just um, imagining what you were trying to convey within the trench coat. I, oh my God. It was like a blanket. Okay. I'm, More or less. I, I'm learning things about, I'm, I'm glad that Rob, I didn't learn about this about Rob until now because I innately don't trust anybody who was with the, who was with the same person they were with in high school. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't stay together. We didn't stay together. We broke up, and oh, then gosh. and then got married later. Yeah. Okay. After I drunk dialed her. <laughs> anyway, these, eight years these, later, these... after not talking. No. Yeah. Okay. That that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I was gonna say is, yeah. Uh, uh, Sabrina already hiding in coats. No, I I don't hide in large coats. I. I own them because I, I like the way they move, but I but I would always wear them open because I I have nothing to hide. <laughs> I, what are you talking? Don't worry about I it. I I basically like. uh, basically being pretty is very important was very important to me from ages sixteen to twenty eight. Okay. <laughs> so you know, well, I I've never seen your face and don't know your name so. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. You know Kavor. That's close enough to my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's weird talking about that. I We should probably change topics, because I am not willing to show my face, because, you know, that's all. I was raised at that part of the internet, and I'm, I'm very weird about it. So. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really care. Like, I wouldn't care if you guys saw my face, because I think you have. Um, but... Like random people on the internet, I don't want them to see my face. I mean, I just don't want you know anybody to. It seems weird. Most people don't seem to have that problem. At least most people who are, you know, younger, like I don't know, under thirty or something. At least under forty, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I find that it's like a weird you like. People, oh, people over forty don't care. People, uh, people under twenty, and like there's this this range of people who are very that is that are yeah are all seem very pretty. If you, if your first chat uh, app was ICQ or AOL, then you're not used to talking <laughs> to people face to face online. Yeah, my, mine was neither of those, yeah. but I understand. What was yours? Uh, do you count forms, or do I have to go the first dedicated? No, time? actual, like, interacting with another human being in real time. In real time, uh, it was, uh, it was, I'm not sure if this counts, but uh, there was a 
IRC channel, but I was there. I was in for a very specific purpose. <laughs> okay, that's uh, not ominous at all or anything. Yeah, that's like uh, saying I went to Thailand for a thing. No, no, no it wasn't that type of thing. It's, it's way more embarrassing. Oh, okay. Oh wait a second! Where were you? What were you projecting on the thing I was saying? It's fine. Uh, no, uh, it it was a blood oh, bowl okay. tracker. <laughs> oh. Like game request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah, know so... you're the GW stuff. All right. <laughs> that, 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 that... No, is that is your secret shame being in the games workshop at one point in your life? No, that's oh. not that's not the secret shame. The secret oh. shame is that I was a, is that there was a point in my life where I decided that it that challenging random people to blow bull online was a thing I wanted to spend my time with. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a pretty secret shame. That's, yep. uh, well, I guess yeah. it's not a secret since I just admitted to it. But You just you admitted know. to it. Yep. It was up yep. until this point. That, that, like, and that was the first time I used like, real-time communication that was technically real-time. I mean, there was a certain like very specific, like there's very specific forms that threads that probably don't exist anymore where I was talking to somebody where we were, we were posting within like minutes of each <laughs> other. So, you know, it was basically, you know, I'd go. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have AOL. I definitely was posting on weird for like odd little forums when I was for, for my first internet interactions. I think for my first messaging thing, I used XChat, yeah. um, which I don't think exists anymore. And um, and mm -hmm. yeah, anyway, that's that's <laughs> not interesting at all. X. <laughs> this is going some weird places. Do I try to steer things back on topic? <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, no, I do actually. So. Uh, everybody, give me an give me an interesting example of a way a game defined narrative control within its mechanics go. That oh, not something shit. you worked um, on. Um, look at oh. the shelf. Uh, interesting way to define mechanical control. Uh... I I will I will answer yeah. first if you people want time. Go. Okay, uh, I really liked uh, the specific uh, nature of the of the folding of the way languages fold out in dialect, mm -hmm. and how it and how it contrasted with a more freeform folding of microscope. Oh, okay. No, I feel you on that. Yeah, that dialect has a really interesting. Uh, how would you call it? Move schedule? Yep. I guess that, that's a way to phrase it. Yeah. So there's like a set series of things that happen that you, scenes you play out and the moves you make in, in those scenes to, to fuck with the language. Uh, it was cool. I, I, I played dialect with my uh, wife and mom. That was a pretty interesting time. I think I reported some of it somewhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
I have something uh, I thought of. I don't know if it's my like the best or my favorite. Um, but there's this game. Mm-hmm. No, okay, noteworthy. Okay, no then this is I think noteworthy. Um, there's this girl or this game. Jesus by Avery Alder called Ribbon Drive, um, which is a really interesting game. I, uh-huh. I don't know if, any, if anybody else here has heard of it, but you kind of do a... It's a road trip where you yep. have mixtapes, and so each player um, makes, like, a little playlist or a mixtape. Um, and that is, and they, you know, you're supposed to be building the narrative based on some of the lyrics and, like, how the song is... how the songs are in the story. So I think that that's... You know, an interesting and novel mechanic for influencing the narrative. Yeah, yeah, mixtape game, very cool. There's a, I like the idea of incorporating music in some way. Uh, it's a really tricky thing to put in and not have it be uh disruptive because normally you're trying to talk yeah so uh but i having said that that's when the players are doing the journaling part uh then i i have that's an opportunity for music to come up there's a soundtrack there too at some point i should probably codify that a little bit better how it's supposed to be used but anyway i love the idea of music guiding a mood and then that mood turning mm-hmm. into a narrative that's, that's a cool. cool game all right rob uh i really like um uh, dying in Phoenix Dawn Command. Uh, the way that works is uh, so that's a game by uh, Keith Baker, who uh, also wrote Eberron. And uh, if you have ever played Gloom, the card game, he did that too. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, good stuff. I like that game a lot. My wife kicks my ass at Gloom. I mean, it is it's tragic. Like she, I'm. I might win one out of three games, maybe, with her. She's really good at it. Anyway, totally different story. Um, Phoenix Dawn Command is um, this game where you play a hero in this sort of mythic age where uh, the Empire is dying and it's being assaulted on all sides by horrendous monsters and, and forces beyond... Uh, mortal control and all this stuff and your characters are these phoenixes embodying in human form more or less that um that can spend their lives to influence the narrative and when they do so that's how you level up so every time you're reborn um you gain a level and how you died can influence like basically what you sacrificed yourself for influences the class class quote unquote uh that you gain when you level up so if you if you know you throw yourself into a particular kind of death i can't remember like uh um like a death by uh treachery or something like that uh 
you you come back and you you can get um powers that make you sneakier or more wary or something like that so based on the on on how you sold your life to the narrative in your previous iteration then the way you come back uh is influenced by the way you or you, the way you come back can be influenced by that i'm not entirely sure how big a change that is in your character um it's not quite clear to me uh that it makes a really big difference after your first pick but um it's kind of like it's analogous to class in D D. so that's a really cool way of doing it i've i've, I've seen very few games where dying uh you know is used as well i mean it's usually dying is oh your you know your character is dead it's not something that you see commonly mess with in games though there are certainly a few Yeah. Yeah, there's a few. Um, there's a. I, I. I feel like there's a way to do it in Ashes. Yep. Oh God, I'm trying to remember the oh, other game that has a ways. similar name to Phoenix Dawn Command and that is the Physics Phoenix Simulator Command. RPG. Oh, thing. that's just that's just uh, Phoenix Command. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I always mix them up, <laughs> and uh, they are not the same game. Yeah, I went. No, not even close. Not even close. Eight. In fact, it's weird because Phoenix Dawn Command looks vaguely military-ish from the box, and it's it's easy to mistake it as like not an RPG because it's it it is powered by a card deck, several card decks actually. Play each player has their own deck of cards, and so um, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like an RPG. It looks like it 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 looks like I I mistook it for the other game when I was looking <laughs> yeah, for I... it specifically. I just saw it in my Terrifying. my FLGS today when I went in there. I was looking and I was like, Phoenix Donkman, what the is that that weird math game? Oh no, it's some new thing. Okay. It it just look yeah, it does look weird. It doesn't look like a mm-hmm. role playing game. Yeah. It's really um, quite awesome. Mm-hmm. Really, really underrated, I feel. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that's that, that's another. What's what are some other interesting ones? Um, oh, the ring in uh, Bluebeard's Bride uh, also comes to mind. So passing the ring between players um, lets that player have more influence over the bride, even though the other psyches get a say. The other uh, pieces of sisters, sorry, not psyches, but yeah, basically psyches, um, get a say. The ring, the ring bearer allows you to uh, have the final say. That's a pretty interesting. I like a tactile. Tactile narrative control feels kind of cool. That's why I like using the dice for the same thing in Ashes, because it like you're adding a little bit of the sense to the narrative, like li- literally sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that part too. I, I uh, maybe I'm just not haven't read up the right ones, but I'm I'm really racking my brain trying to think of any that have like actual kind of n- specifically narrative things baked into the mechanics, um, and it's not very many. Uh, let's see here. 
Well, I mean, there's a lot of them where they don't explicitly say it, but it's subtly implied. Uh, what was I trying to think? God, there's a very specific game that just says, okay, you get... Oh, right, there's all, there's masks. Do you know uh, where if you go into your super mode and b- permanently burn that on your sheet and fuck yourself up forever, you get, you get temporary oh. complete control of the scene. Okay, I must have missed that. Nice. It, I mean, oh yes, and also Spire. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, uh, I forgot what the mechanic was called, but like, yeah, there. <laughs> and that's bugging me because I need to I need to find my copy of Mass to, to look that up. What is that one game you play with a candle? Hmm? Or a couple of candles? Ten candles? I don't remember that Two game. Candles is a role playing. I'm game. sorry. Ten candles. Yeah. Oh, and Dread. That's another one. Having mentioned Dread earlier <laughs> as a, as a mechanic in my game, the actual Jenga tower. I had considered using using the Jenga tower <laughs> for my Dread mechanic because it was just it was just so on the nose and like it actually kind of makes sense. Like, okay, I'm gonna pull something out. Mm, I'm gonna get to re-roll the dice, right? You pull something out of the Jenga tower. It crashes. Oh, all the stuff that that you came that you did is coming back to haunt you now in the because <laughs> the Jenga tower crash or some asshole bumped mm. the table. I see now. If you say Jenga tower, Rob, I'm just imagining your game ballooning out to be you know you have a Jenga tower and a map and and another map and like mm-hmm. you know a popomatic bubble <laughs> um, and I don't know what. Mm-hmm. And ten candles. And ten and, candles. You know, like a goat. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the goat's for sure. The goat's for sure. The goat's been there well, from the beginning. The mechanic is called Ma- Moment of Truth. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was that, important that, to me. That I know it doesn't matter masks. to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that, yes. Moment of Truth. Uh it is it is a defining moment of your character, and you take temporarily can, uh, control. And there's always uh, long term implications to do it. Get and yeah. Moment. Of truth. I mean, yeah. What was? No. Oh yes, it's going to be like a Cones <laughs> of Gunshire, the RPG for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> And it it and uh, Mel's on the board of the neighborhood association now, so it's actually so we're like we're like the weird I'm like the weird game designer married to the social community person over there. It's it's it, it our life is turning into Parks and Rec <laughs> in a very weird way. Uh, oh dear. Well, yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. I was actually I I, I lied because I was going to say so. There's this new Fallout um, role playing game from Modiphius, which I got talked into buying, and oh, yeah. I've, which I've read most of now. I I it's fine. Like it's a role playing game. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's yeah. how I feel about most of their output. I'm like I read the Alien one. It's like this is okay. This is like wildly overwritten for what this needs to be i think yeah it's fine like yeah didn't really give me like 
sensations of Alien, though. I, I, yeah, imagine I mean, Fallout it's got kind some stuff, but I don't know. It seems to kind of put it all in very boring places. And yeah, it's just, it's fine. Like, you could play it and it would be kind of Fallout-y, but I, I wouldn't, personally. Isn't it weird how, like, our sensibilities, like, keep us from having fun <laughs> with the thing we actually like? Oh, no, uh, that's not weird. I... Okay, good. Be, be, being over, uh, being disappointed because something ca- fails to capture a love, uh, lo- because love doesn't, the thing that you love doesn't transfer over uh, easily is base, is pretty normal, and uh oh and i'm always wary of rpgs that try to be this thing the rpg because uh things that work as tight narratives with interlocking parts are not necessarily going to translate to rpgs very well (laughs) yep yep dune 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 comes to mind as as one where it's like i would love that world that that's a cool world to play in the rpg does not feel like you're in dune it feels like you're in you're in Star Wars with <laughs> slightly different knives. Oh, oh, that, that, that's not a good sign in Dune, I think, from my limited understanding. I mean, I mean, it depends on the kind of Star Wars games you play. We kind of, we we kind of did like the sort of rebel, uh, uh, non-Jedi type thing where it was like sort of ragtag, and that was the thing we were going for. So, like, uh, when I picked up the Dune RPG, uh, I was like, oh, okay, so this is kind of interesting. Let's see what this is. And it's like, yeah, you kind of get the house stuff a little bit uh, because, like, when they mention an asset, the asset the asset doesn't have any scope. So, like, a knife and a gang of traders off-world is, like, the same level of thing. See, that, that, that's, that would be great for certain games. Like, I could kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not a good thing for a dude. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't feel right. No, it felt it felt it felt weird. It felt really weird. Uh, and like the the pre generated characters that we were playing with uh, also didn't feel like I I don't know. It just kind of it, I don't know. Maybe it was our group couldn't get into it. The mechanics were also like I rewrote the mechanics to fit on three pages, and it was a struggle. Like, that's a problem. Like, there's a lot of interlocking stuff that happens that players need to know, not the GM. But, like, there's, there, there's, like, there's three different kinds of spendable resources to increase your dice pool. And, uh, and it's not clear, like, what, when you want to be risking what to me. I think that, or that's, that's the impression that I got from watching the players play. Like they were they were struggling, okay, like, trying to figure out like when do I spend this? When do I spend this? And <clears throat> this is with a cheat sheet in front of them, like with the rules as simple as I could carve them down to. Like yeah, here's okay, what this says. Would... Yeah, so yeah. I want to ask you a question, Rob. Okay, yep. that's a complaint you had about that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would like you to answer. How what what tools in your game make it clear what what you want to be risking in a given situation? Because I could see that being a major problem with Ashes, is mm-hmm. being unclear about that. So yeah. I don't know what you do to mitigate that. 
It's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I suppose the way I mitigate it is I don't overload the players with the information. I put, I, I allow them to, so part of the opening is learning how the mechanics work. And so <clears throat> the first thing they risk will probably be a piece of gear because it's the first thing they have on them. They, they pick it up, they, they come to, they reach out blindly, grab a thing. This is the experience everybody has for playing this game. And they have their first piece of gear, which unlock, like clues them into the, the fact that magic's a thing, allows them to resonate with a particular kind of magic and sort of set the stage for their, for the rest of the, um, the, the experience going forward. Uh, so, so the, the way I sort of guide them into that is like saying, okay, here's a, here's a minor threat confronting just you. How do you handle it? And then that's the first risk basically. Uh, and and if they should they fail, then that that also introduces uh, the, the weird mechanic, which allows them to not fail, or from their perspective, not fail to have to have something else happen, basically. Um, and then little by so as and then they rest, and then when they rest, they regain their the ability to risk themselves, basically, and not without they gain. The ability to expend themselves without risk, rather they, they they regain effort that they can spend without without risking themselves. And so, by dripping um, the mechanics in, I'm hoping to create sort of a natural scaffolding for how players use them to interact with stuff. So it's 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 it, I, I mitigate it through basically a tutorial mode that yep. it is is the standard boot up sequence of the game yeah and hopefully that's good enough <laughs> that's all i will say uh yeah i don't know like it it seems to be kind of okay uh but again this is it's early days so and it has i have i have i have run the game i've, I've just basically just been working on the opening and getting this like trying to make sure that the mechanics i'm introducing are one not too much because who wants that? Uh, and two, usable right away. So like I give you, like I put you in a situation, here's the tool, here's how you use it. And then that's it. And then I I just do that a bunch of times. And that's how character, and then character creation basically doesn't stop once you start playing the game. You just keep going. Mm. You or, or, or you could do character creation infinitely depending on your proclivity. Yeah, from what yeah. you're describing, I'm guessing there's going, like, if you ever want to make this something that other people would run, which I'm guessing you would want to do, I think giving them the tools to do that would be hard. I do believe that's part of the point. Yes, it would be incredibly hard. That's why I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> glad, glad to know you've reached my glad to know you've reached my uh... yeah if anybody wants to run this game they have to play it first and that's the only way it's going to work oh that's going to be inconvenient if i want to do a test a one shot test yeah i guess so <laughs> unless you're me and then like you're but you're yeah bro, you're basically <laughs> me in a different body so it's fine I am not in a different body. <laughs> I don't have one. Anyway, oh. uh, anyway, uh, no, uh, that, that's not what I meant to say. I have a, I have a different entity than you. I, I, I just sometimes <laughs> occupy your shadow. Don't worry. That's about fine. It. 
That's okay. That makes sense. Uh, well, no, that I, I, I'm saying that a little, a little hyperbolically, but like the yep. way I'm, I'm just, I'm writing the book for the guide. It's going to be assuming, it's going to be assuming you, you've sort of played the you game. Are, well, if you guys, you've either played it or you under, you're going to understand the experience in some way that is not your first encounter with it. Because oh, I don't, I don't think that this game is going to be disseminated through the normal channels. Um, so, because I don't need to, like, I don't need to make money doing this. It's fine. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can support, I can support this with the other work I do. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, can, it can be a, like an art piece. It doesn't have to be yeah. a profitable endeavor. And well, I mean, it's, which is rare, RPG. so I should you're take advantage it. of it, basically. Yeah. You're making an RPG, so uh, <laughs> you were good. it was going to be that anyway. Yeah, so. it was going to be that anyway. Just lean into it. I figure, yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a boutique RPG with with art that makes no fucking sense. So you know, just uh, it's well, okay. Like I just pulled got full on crazy person and accepted it. It's no no big deal. Well, I mean, in fairness, so like Ashes of the Magi as an art book. Makes more sense than selling it as an RPG. Um, no, <laughs> that's not quite what I mean. But <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I I hope uh, I hope I I hope you get. Oh, how should I phrase this? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, uh, oh. what's what's next? <laughs> Oh, in, in the universe or right here? Yeah, for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't... <laughs> I'm pretty disconnected. Oh, no, you're not. <clears throat> I, I I appreciate you have that sense, but I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, from time. <laughs> oh, me too. Ca that's okay. Causality, so, you know. That, yeah, well... Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's fine. I, I, yeah, that's I, do, I do that periodically too. That's okay. Anyway, I do want to ask the, <laughs> do, 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 is there anything uh, else you wanted to talk about on topic? On topic? What was the topic again? Narrative and James, right? Oh, Monty Cooks, Monty Cooks, a big black cube. Oh, what about thing. what about the cube? Uh it's 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 great uh, in that it is uh, a giant black cube that sits on my bookshelf. Yes, yeah, so, and it you, looks you, really fucking cool. And that is the utility I have gotten out of it thus far. Yeah, so apparently, apparently, you can also read it to confuse yourself. Yes, I have read it and tried to wrap my head around like what it might take to play the thing, and then I looked at the stack of literally a thousand plus cards and i was just like nah i'm good yep and those are still in plastic as we speak and uh although i do want to say because i a the, the nature of my being is such that i cannot be any other way i have bought <laughs> two supplements to the game oh okay Don't, did, did, or, did they look nice next to the cube Yes, I have incorporated them into the cube by removing other pieces of the cube. Okay, good. Yep. 
But it, then it's then. God, you gotta admit I'd forgotten about whatever this game is, Invisible Sun, um, for a second, and I. You said Monty Cook's Invisible big sun, black yeah. cube, and I don't know, I was just imagining like a Borg ship or something. It's very confused. <laughs> it looks like a Borg ship. No, it, it's, a, it's a Borg ship of a game. And uh, it's interesting on a number of levels because it feels like it, it would be totally right up my alley, like you know, on, so, on so many levels. Like, I love the presentation. I like the concept of like an esoteric RPG that's like, really out there but uh, <laughs> uh in, order for, in order for it to be what it, it okay so i'm gonna just say this and yeah you can dis- the disagree and tell me why i'm wrong but sure. in order for it to be an actual esoteric rpg it would actually need to know need to be good at being what it is trying to be and i do not trust it to do that because i generally don't trust Monty Cook games to be what they're supposed to be. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't trust them not to be hollow reflections, so uh I assume it's I assume it is that. I, am I wrong? Did it, did it... Ha, ha, having devoted myself in a not insubstantial way to occult study in the past two years because of Ashes of the Magi um, I am not going to answer that question on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> that I'm not sure how to interpret that answer. That's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. that's how she goes. Oh, so actually, you know, I brought up that Fallout game. 20 minutes ago or whatever that was because I had a point <laughs> and the point was that it has a narrative um, mechanic in it you can I think you you like roll a one or a two on one of the d20s and you introduce a complication and I think the player can say what that is um, which that's I don't know it's kind of kind of weak <laughs> I, sorry, I don't, sorry, when I when you play in the Fallout the role playing game, the Manu Modifius one, you roll. I think it's a one and oh, a two, oh, yeah, on D twenty mm-hmm. usually, and then you introduce a complication, um, which is just uh-huh. you know a bad thing that happens. And I believe like players can say what that is. So there's your small amount of narrative power. But again, I. I don't know, it's just kind mm. of like a very small thing occasionally as the result of some dice. You don't really have ultimately all that much power there. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, that's why in games like Blaze in the Dark and Apocalypse World were such revelations, you know, when you, when we when they started, we started playing them like the way they were like meant to be played and written, the way they were written and meant to be played. Well, I don't know. Meant to be played, I would say closer. Uh, but when when you like you're like, okay, here's a situation. I have twelve tools at my disposal to influence the narrative in this situation, um, and plus some others. Like I can do some other stuff too. Like I have I have these actions that I can. Any of these are ostensibly viable, even if you know they don't quite match the situation or 
you know, I'm not good at them, I can still pull off something or attempt something. Um, and that was something that felt really good. Just as just just letting the players address problems in that way. Um, even though it, it, it was nice because it bridged for me and what I what I observed observed was it bridging the gap from the D and D mindset into the I have narrative control mindset, and it's the like looking at your character sheet, seeing a thing you're good at, and then opening up the narrative to do something, rather than having a narrative happen to you. Looking at your character sheet, yeah, to see the best the way to respond. players are are being more proactive, and their um, system is responding to them more so mm-hmm. than the other way around. Yeah. I, and it was something Kat mentioned last week. Uh, a play tester was saying about her game um, in response to the combat system, which they were enjoying. Like, yeah, the D&D system, you just attack over and over again, basically. Like, there's some other actions, but you don't really do those that often. She's <laughs> like, mostly, like, you're, if you're this class, you're rolling a D20 this round to mm-hmm. attack with your main thing. You know, and it's that over and over again, basically. And and your cat's response to that is to design a system where, like, yeah, you don't do the same thing every every round. You do radically different things every round. And yeah, that's you know, <laughs> right. That's that kind of makes it interesting. Like, there's different incentives. The incentives move around. Mm-hmm. Cool. But you know, if there's it, it's weird when you're playing D and D and there's like no tactical map. It really shows like how little mechanics, how little mechanical influence <laughs> you have. Like there's 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 very swing little. sword like swing sword smack. Yeah, do I I I, I use shillelagh again? Here we go. Whap whap whap. Yep. Okay. Uh. Either we need to wrap up or I need to step up for 10 minutes. Uh, which one of those should I go with? <laughs> uh, I think we should yeah. wrap up, probably. I think we've sort of oh, beat the horse to death at this point. Well, we, we, we kind of looked at the horse, started, talk, no, we started talking about the field, <laughs> and then to- looked at the horse again. But, yeah. That's just, true. And then the horse wandered better. off, I think, at some point. Yeah, yeah, probably. We, anyway, we this, was our, this was our talk about narrative control. Good night, wherever you are. Night, I God. was Kavor. We also had Brad. Whoa! Yeah, it was it was interesting. We had Rob. We had Rob. Did you uh, for for our newer <laughs> listeners? This podcast yeah, is I, Brad's uh, fault. I was the progenitor, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was Fred's idea to bring us all together from the RPG Design Discord yeah. or RPG Design subreddit. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, except for I'm not from there. Yeah, except for Cavoir, who is, uh, as as previously mentioned, a disembodied spirit. Yeah, well, I mean, there's nothing to stop me from be- from <laughs> being on Reddit, except for not wanting to be on Reddit. Yeah, I also don't want to be on Reddit. I, I, I went on Reddit for the first time, like, in maybe a year or so the other day. And I, I was Reddit very is pretty much a mistake. Initially. It is <laughs> very fucking weird at this point. Holy yes, um... cow. 
uh, Catrice the lore is I joined because Fred needed another yeah. player for Monster Yeah, I, I wanted to play Monster Arts right. and I and I got Camoir right. and uh, the rest is history. The rest is history. That's right. Somehow I'm Monster still Arts. here. Yeah. I Despite the fact that I explicitly do not want to be on a podcast, <laughs> I, I just like that fact about myself. Yeah, it's it's only my magnetic personality keeping you here. Yeah, or the spell that I cast, but sure. whichever. <laughs> <laughs> or the spell Fred cast. I don't know. Pick one. Pick 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 some external thing that's keeping you here besides <laughs> your proclivity to talk about RPGs. Uh, no, the, what's keeping me here is uh, I get to talk about RPGs once a week, and sometimes that's something I want to do. Uh, and also, I'm not. And also, I feel somewhat. I don't know. I feel some <laughs> obligation to be here, and I don't know where it comes from. Friendship, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> there, there, there are th there are things that uh, that there are people I would consider myself closer friends to than this group, and I and I don't feel the need to talk to them once a week for an hour. <laughs> Agreed. Same. <laughs> but uh, here, here we, we are anyway. Here we be. Yep. 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 All right. I'm going to stop streaming. Ooh, now we can talk about our dicks. Yep. Good. Good night, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that was still on there. Well, yeah. Of course it was. Uh, and it's still on the recording, too, so give me a second with that one. Mm -hmm. uh, Doodly, do, 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 do.